Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you so much for being here today. Great episode for you. But first, some news. Justina, girlfriend of the show, got on a house team at the Magnet. That was a New York goal of hers, and she achieved it. And I am so proud of her. She is so funny. I can't wait to see her. And congrats to everyone who auditioned because that could be pretty nerve-wracking and it's definitely a bummer when things don't work out your way. But no matter what, I count it as a good thing for you because you're investing in yourself. You are so passionate about something that you put yourself out there and you believed in yourself enough to put yourself out there. Anytime you put yourself out there is time well spent. So good on you for investing and believing in yourself. I feel like Karamo right now. I am killing it. All right. Today's guest is David Wiswell, and he's a comedian doing this great thing online called Pop-Up Interviews. We had a great talk about it and all the other work he's doing. So here's my chat with David Wiswell. You're in New York right now? Yes. Yeah, I'm in Harlem. Yeah. Okay. Are you from New York? Uh, well, I'm from, I grew up like in the state of New York. And then okay. I moved out to San Francisco um, when I was around 19. And uh, that's where I started doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started doing stand-up comedy out there. I was out there for about seven years. And then from there I moved uh to new york yeah san francisco uh, it's a cool town to start doing stand-up in that was where a lot of greats have come including robin williams yeah robin williams i think dana carvey yeah oh lenny bruce spent time there i actually mm-hmm. went to one of the strip clubs where uh the hungry eye <laughs> it, it's a strip club that used to be a place where like lenny bruce used to perform <laughs> you're like wow this is where so much genius work was done here <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, So you were doing comedy a while uh, before moving to New York. Yeah. How long have you been in New York? I've been in New York, I guess, another seven years or something now. Oh, wow. So you've you've been doing comedy for over a decade. Yeah. I started stand-up, and uh, I love the form of stand-up. Stand-up's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... At some point when I moved here, I started to transition more into the like internet content thing. Mm-hmm. So like my show pop up interviews obviously mm-hmm. is the extension of that. I started with sketches and things like that. Okay. Learning to edit and shoot pieces. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, and I think of like the way I do pop up interviews is like kind of an extension of my stand up in a way. It's mm-hmm. like it's like long form crowd work almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and it requires having like that defined sense of humor that, or, or, or uh, d- defined like point of view mm-hmm. that I think a stand-up brings, mm-hmm. and then it's like applying that to like an improvisational setting. Yeah. What rooms are you hitting up? Like open mics or anywhere that you're going that you like? 
I actually, I mean, when I first came to the city, I performed at like a bunch of places like Eastville Comedy Club, Stand Up New York. I would do the late night at uh, the comic strip. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I did like Broadway and like a bunch of that shit. But I, I actually haven't, I actually kind of stopped doing stand up. I do yeah. like the internet content. I've been trying to sell shows for a while. Mm -hmm. I've got a few shows, a teaser I created for a show. Um, and, uh, you know, right now my focus is mainly on pop up interviews. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I haven't been focusing on stand-up as much either. Yeah. <laughs> but for a different reason, it sounds like. It sounds like you're busy with a bunch of work, whereas I am doing other stuff. I'm doing improv, but also right. was just not crazy about the scene. I, I think I came here wanting to learn a little bit more about the crafting of, of comedy, whether it's stand-up or improv. And plenty of schools here to learn improv, but stand up they always just tell you to go do it so i was like yeah yeah i'll go do it but ah gosh it's just like i don't know if this joke is working nobody's paying attention so it got frustrating so that's a little bit of why i was like I i've got other stuff on my plate that i'll i'll just focus on that um yeah. but you're crazy like in san francisco yeah. we would spring an open mic on people trying to do their homework in a cafe yeah and here you're talking to like these like other comics <laughs> other comics and they're like people who are like just developing their sense of like i think when you first start comedy you're at your least funniest that you've ever been mm -hmm. and you have the least concept of like what funny is because you're deconstructing this thing right. that's like comedy is reactive right so i always used to say it's like you have a couch and you need to get it in your house and so you need to disassemble it because it's too big to get through the door I so you're see. like disassembling it so this is your audience. I mean, it's the worst. And they hate you. If you say something funny, they, like, hate you for that. Or, like, people will, like, laugh because this is their friend. Mm -hmm. Or this is, oh, I know, I got to laugh because this guy was on MTV. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I found, like, it was very different here. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like it's a, a really difficult place to develop. It um, is, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I had been doing it for several years before moving here. But... It is a hard place to develop, and I think trying to develop a little bit more, figure out some... I, I wanted to cut my teeth, and I wanted to make my jokes bulletproof, is essentially right. what I wanted to do. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think I think it's just in a different place right now, stand-up. I mean... Yeah, because it's, it's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it's supposed to be for misfits. Right. <laughs> it's so different now, it seems... Corporate is not the right word, but it's just, it's doing well. I mean, there are tons of Netflix specials out there, but it, there's something about it that doesn't seem, I don't know what, how to put my finger on it, but just when I see stand up now, which is usually a, uh, someone doing a set on a talk show, it, it seems like, uh, I feel like it doesn't have the same something about it that made it feel special even five years ago when I was watching stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that's the thing that kind of like, you know, I think they say that happened like to, to like folk music, like folk mm -hmm. music became cool at one point and uh -huh. then tested with like Bob Dylan, where it was like this axis of like people wanted to listen to it and it still had substance. Mm -hmm. You get fucking, uh, you know, essentially like, like what I would call like faux music, F-A-U-X music. Yeah. The Lumineers now is like really popular, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, or they were a few years ago. They were, they were right when like folk music was making its comeback. Right. But to me, that's just pop music 
Yeah, with a little with funky a band. sort of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and it, it had that sort of... It was more folksy than it was folk music. Because yeah. to me, folk music was speaking to something going right. on in the culture. Which the is not what the Luminaries yeah. did. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just doing the same shitty, boring, mm-hmm. like... I will wait for you forever like a stone. You know, the same fucking bullshit yeah. happened in rock music. And then, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, yeah, a repackaging of the same uh, the same things. So I think, yeah, I think, and I think it's interesting, right? Like, nowadays it's like I feel most artists are, we have to kind of create this prepackaged thing. You know, it used to be like, Axl Rose was like a junkie who was amazingly talented and they pal- and the producers kind of polished that, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? And now it's like you got to come with a polished thing, mm-hmm. like you pre-sold out and just like have your thing on a platter that you bring. And then at this point, it's funny because I think that's where you get a lot of these people like uh, Joe Rogan, H3, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, your mom's house and these people. And it's like, at that point, it's like, well, what do we, what do we fucking need you for? We have our own platform, <laughs> right? It's kind of interesting. So that's what I'm trying to build with uh, with my channel, Idiot Presents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is I'm trying to create my own platform where I could just do whatever I want. Um, you know, kind of the thing that stand up used to be that I loved mm-hmm. and that drew me to it was that it was like kind of a free form place. You could yeah. do whatever the fuck we, you wanted. You could do whatever you wanted. Only rule is that you make the audience laugh, and then right. And uh, I feel like the problem with stand-up is there's so much hanging out. Like you do well somewhere and they go, oh, dude, you should totally hang out at the club. And you're like, so I should just like spend 20 hours a week doing nothing? (laughs) I'm like an artist. Like I'm trying to fucking make something. Exactly. That's what drew me to the YouTube channel. It's all this stuff like – you know, I came up with a with a with a funny song, mm-hmm. a, a funny series of songs. This thing, Kippy, the inappropriately depressing mm-hmm. kids uh, <laughs> singer, right? Right. I wrote like eight short little comedy songs. I recorded them here. Uh, you know, I'm probably gonna shoot some more video for it. I got a green screen set up, and then I just fucking edit it. I put it up on my own platform, and the whole thing is just growing this platform, growing idiot presents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I could just put shit up whenever. And then, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, since I got the investor for the channel, or, well, not for the channel, actually, for the show, mm-hmm. but I can the equipment for everything, we've kind of upgraded my home system, mm-hmm. so now I've got, like, a light grid just that's just set up in my living room. So I just, anytime <laughs> I want, I've got the talk show set, and then I pull that down, it's green screen, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 I've got the, the live stream set up i've got my cameras equipment set up and i can do you know i've got an audio mixer mm-hmm. i can do that shit all myself and so it's like you slow. yeah it you got to be your own production company to get in the door anyway and right i'm already learned all this mm. shit i don't want to learn all i wanted to do was say fuck to a group of people <laughs> and now i got to learn to edit well now i learned to edit i don't know what the fuck i need you guys for <laughs> now right. i can edit a video of me saying fuck and just put it out on the internet yeah and, like, I think it's a, a great approach. It's actually an, an idea I've been knocking around of, like, creating a platform, essentially, of, of different things. And I, I do find a, I'm a little more excited about that idea than going back out to do stand-up again because it is that thing of, oh, you've got to jump through these hoops 
to, you know, just like hang out for 20 hours just so you can move ahead. And it's like, yeah, I really just want to know if I'm crafting these jokes well. Right. Let me just get in my room and do that myself. And then I can just present my work where I want to. Or I have so many options to present it. So I, I, I'm totally feeling you on that. And I think there's also like in a professional sense, the professional world of, of stand-up, there is a lot of... Uh, it seems like the hard work is going into building a brand, but as opposed to building a voice or like showing yeah. how professional you are and that, you know, like it's like someone handing you a business card and it's like, oh, why is this so businessy? But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like that seems yeah. to be the big thing now. It's interesting. Like, so we talk about like like the Dane Cook thing, right? Which I think is such a fascinating thing, especially because he's starting to do podcasts again. And I've been listening mm -hmm. to him talk, right? Mm -hmm. And people are starting to give him his due for kind of creating this modern model, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, you do all your social media stuff and you run that as your business and then everything else comes from there, mm -hmm. which I think is a double-edged sword. Yeah. And first of all, I mean, and this is not to shit on him, but he's, he didn't create that. I mean, punk rockers created that. <laughs> right. Zines forever because they couldn't <laughs> get in a real magazine, so they create their own thing and they distribute it. And uh, it's funny, I hate punk rock music. Like, I don't like how it sounds, but I love the books about punk rock. <laughs> I love the like spirit of punk rock more than the yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, gentlemen, I, I love the political, you know, uh, uh, ideology you have there, <laughs> but we could make this sound less like shit, right? <laughs> Does it have to be only three chords? Yeah, right. We could make it. I mean, but even you could have a three chord song and it could be it could sound good. Just like <laughs> have a melody or something. I mean, it, it, we don't just have to be shouting. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, there are two speeds. That's like the Pixies is great because they yeah. get loud and then they get quiet mm -hmm. and they go oh, it's happening and then they get loud again. So it's fun. <laughs> it's, they're screaming the whole time. Anyway, that's not what it's about. But uh, but Dane Cook, um, you know, he created this modern thing where mm -hmm. it's like which is great for artists, it's also kind of shitty for artists. Because it used to be like, Dave Attell used to be the guy, right? Yeah. He's this weird fucking guy who is an absolute genius, whose mm -hmm. only focus is like autistically becoming the greatest joke writer ever. And like, you'll hear Mark Maron talk about how Dave Attell would like, write a joke until it was bad. Like, that's how mm -hmm. obsessed he was with the joke. Yeah. And he would wander off into the ether and you wouldn't see him. And now he's, one of the greatest comedians and he's not thriving who's thriving like the people that are like really good at like editing pictures of themselves right and, like, 14 15 social media accounts right. and are i mean if you're spending that much time doing this the chances that you're spending enough time to be as good as david tell is like you're probably not going to do that right yeah yeah and like a lot of the material is sort of suffering for it i think because yeah, I uh, I'm some of the material that I see from even some not necessarily the biggest. We saw Neil Brennan not too long ago, and he's still great. But uh, so not those people, but there's some I guess more up and coming people who get stuff, and it just feels like they it just feels like material that they took one pass at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And because then they, they just thought about presentation, right? Instead of like fucking focusing on one thing mm -hmm. now you have to be an entire industry and so that's what's so hard and that's why with my projects like pop-up interviews i try and create a system like i work with a live audience which mm -hmm. brings me back to like my strengths as a stand-up right mm -hmm. and it also creates stakes which i think is so important for comedy right 
it's like it stakes for me because it's like I'm beholden to a live audience. We shoot live for about three hours, and out of that, I get about ten episodes of the show. Oh yeah, and for we haven't told anybody what the show is. Yeah, Pop- so I do yeah. want to talk about that. Um, yeah, let's get right into it. Yeah, Pop Up Interviews is um, it's essentially a show where I spring a talk show on unsuspecting people on the internet. So I have a talk show set set up in my living room. I have a handful of people, a little audience that'll sit on my couch. And they watch as we spring a talk show on people in these randomized um, uh, uh, video chat sites on the internet, like Chat Roulette and Omegle. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know exactly what that is, it's uh, it's like Skype, but it randomly connects you with random people, and you just keep right. like texting. You just and it's a different person all over the world. <laughs> and essentially, we just go, hey, you're live on pop-up interviews, and we just talk to them, and sometimes it's like perverts masturbating. It's usually that. No. <laughs> no I remember <laughs> when Chat Roulette like, started, and um, it was kind of becoming, like I think if there weren't so many people who were masturbating on there, it could have been as big as Snapchat is looked at now, or Instagram right. or something, but because that was something they just could not manage, like yeah. I, I think it ended up not blowing up. But I think it's such a brilliant idea what you're doing with this show. Oh, thank um, you. Because and it was one, it was something that I wish I had thought of. Like it's that kind of idea. Well, thank. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I never thought that we would get so many. Inter- I've I've interviewed people about like this guy talked about his DEA bust, <laughs> like the DEA busted down his door. This dude with like fucking all these tattoos and shaved head. He's in like a trailer or something <laughs> and he's doing his business homework and the DA busts down his door. Oh, and he wow. said, my favorite line from the interview, he goes, and I got an AK 47 right over there. And he goes, I don't grab it. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you have an AK 47. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you're dealing, you're dealing drugs on such a scale that the DEA is involved. Like yeah, you are crazy. And how he's changing his life. And the interviews are just whatever happens. We had this old Marine who came, who, who was on and just started like ranting about different countries. And then he starts dropping N-bombs. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. And I, essentially the episode is just like I go to – I just like go at him, right? Like, And it's like anything can happen, right? Like right. ideally we're getting along and my theory with the show is like we're either like we're getting a laugh. Every 10 seconds we're either getting a laugh or we're learning to love, hate or otherwise understand – the interviewer. And so mm-hmm. we operate with the notion that everyone has a story to tell. I've been surprised at how true that is. I didn't think that was true. I thought that was like my bullshit like way to sell the show, but everyone mm-hmm. does, it turns out, has something interesting. And I'm yeah. better at better at like designing questions that kind of carve away at the chisel the stone down and figure out like what is your thing that makes you interesting or unique. And mm-hmm. you know, I've had you know, conspiracy theorist, crazy conspiracy. I this guy who thought Alex Jones worked for the government. Wow. That's how conspiracy theory. That's how deep his shit was. Wow. Um. Yeah. And just like, yeah. And it, it's 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 been such a ride. And I even converted one of those Omega masturbators into an interview. Really? He thought he he, he starts soliciting me. It's just a shot up. You know, like. You'll, and you know that's the guy masturbating when it's just a shot of the ceiling, right? Oh, okay. Just what's going, you can just see his forehead and like pictures of his family, which was so funny because it was like actually pointed at like his family photos. Oh, wow. And uh, he just starts going naked, 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 get naked. And then at some point, and I go, hey, you're live on uh, pop up interviews. He looks up, 
He can't stop laughing. He realizes what the show is. He decides he loves it. And we start talking. And he tells me about how he had just gotten out of prison and he hit his wife of 15 years left him for his own cousin or I'm sorry, for her own cousin. And that that's okay. he wouldn't say why, but something connected with that is why you went to prison. I mean, people just fucking tell you everything. And I think it's because these people, these are the people who want to connect. I think in this weird yeah. way. Oh, for sure. Tapped into exactly what they don't realize they're looking for. Mm. It's, and, you know, it makes people feel good. You know, like we are, uh, you know, we want to tell our story and no one gives a fuck. Except me. I'm the only one who gives a fuck about your story. <laughs> then you're the live audience, and that's part of the fun part. Is first they go, what is this? And then we have a little back and forth, and then they hear the audience. And so they're slowly piecing together what the fuck is happening. Um, and uh, and we're, in, we're, you know, we're in their living room. We're in their bedroom. Like, that's their teddy bear, you know? Yeah. Like, I just feel like it's, uh, 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 it's very fun. So anyway, I'm very passionate about it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think um, so. That's the show. What's What's funny to me is that you have this really great idea that is um, brought something really thoughtful out of using services like Chat Roulette. Whereas when Chat Roulette started and I got on there, I was goofing around. Like I would just put on like a hat and glasses and just like uh, just like. <laughs> fun too is you see that shit too right like i have bad interviews with like a dude with a ouija board like you know <laughs> just like people doing their weird fucking thing and then i just like i follow the we see what's you know like you just see what they're doing saw I was... a game where he was a teddy bear with a knife mm -hmm. that's all you see and he mm -hmm. goes there there will be rules you know <laughs> putting out the rule and so i just like go along with whatever weird thing they're that's doing so and funny they're like, um yeah so those become interviews and uh See that? Yep. See my thing. I would put on like a straw hat and these like Elvis glasses that I had, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and people would. There were a couple people who were like Lenny Kravitz, and so I thought, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I kind of look like Lenny Kravitz. So then I like upped it and put like a scarf on or something like that. You know, just like something Lenny Kravitz would wear, and uh, or like a bandana, and um, just like would go through and pretend to be. Lenny Kravitz to people and yeah. I would but I wouldn't actually like say like hey I'm Lenny Kravitz I would just sing his songs like I would just like sing his <laughs> so like it would pop up and I'd go yeah 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 and then I'd just go to the next person American woman <laughs> right funny. so that was the silliness I was doing with chat roulette whereas you're doing this real deal thing with it and I, I think that's really cool and it honestly could bring a lot of attention to chat roulette and and what was the other one you mentioned oh omegle omegle's the one i use yeah it's funny initially i called the show the chat roulette interview show mm -hmm. because that's the only one i knew of right and then as i started doing the show i started finding out chat roulette's not even the biggest one like the one i generally use now is omegle there's mm -hmm. also one chat random there's some new one holla app um, and, uh, but for production reasons, Omegle is the best one. Also, it has the, the lowest number of, uh, of penises. Oh, good. Which it's just enough. So it's fun. Like when we're going through and then like the live audience, like, and we'll be interviewing like a kid. We interviewed this kid. 
He was the only black kid in an Arkansas school. And he's telling us this great story about how there was this racist teacher and he somehow ended up getting her fired. Wow. And like she would just say racist shit in class and she would like give preferential treatment to some kid mm-hmm. who was like a dick to him, like, you know, in this weird racial way. And it was just him and his friend. And we did this interview where he tells us that story, which is like this great little story of triumph that you like otherwise would just not be heard. Like we get to tell their story. And then the other kid wants to be an indie musician. And he played us out. It was this beautiful, sweet song. His voice was cracking a little, but you could see the talent there. Mm-hmm. And it was this great thing. And we go, all right, thank you, guys. And then there's just this dude with this big black hawk. Just, oh, God. <laughs> and I love that because to me, the show is simultaneously like a parody of a talk show and its own interview show. So it's like Taxi Cab Confessions. Right. Um, you know, yeah, people don't know that was a show on HBO in the nineties where yeah. a taxi driver is just driving around and there was a camera in there and then they would just talk to whoever got in the taxi cab and yeah. interview them. People drunk late at night mm-hmm. and they just, the cabbie and the cabbie would just tease out their life. And that I think would be probably the biggest influence on this. Yeah. The here is that they know, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is like a little bit more like, you know, I mean, not that it's like a game show, but like cash cab. Where it's like suddenly right. part of the fun is like, holy shit, you're watching the person go, oh, what the fuck is this? Oh, we're doing, okay, all right. And then they can help but be authentic. And yeah. so it's a way of teasing out authenticity. And the two ways is one, it's not Bradley Cooper. It's some fucking dude who <laughs> doesn't, ha- doesn't have a PR agent or anything. <laughs> you know, people will just be like, oh, yeah, I stole from uh, Walmart when I worked there. And it's like, they don't know not to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, to like lie or anything. Right. So, really authentic conversations of people to tell the stories of their lives. You know, they tell their hardships, they tell about their heartbreaks about, mm-hmm. you know, we've had more than one people, t- uh, person tell us about the prison, uh, their, their stays in prison. Mm. This one guy told me the hundredth episode, the guy tells me about getting tricked by his girlfriend into going to prison. Like she convinced him to go because like he had a warrant out for his arrest. Mm-hmm. And she said, basically like, you know, you go, you serve your time and then we can live our life clean. And then she gets him to go to prison. And then as soon as he gets out, he finds out that she's just like immediately went and had sex with all his friends and just like tricked him. Yeah. Fucked up shit. That's real. Tell their fucking heartache. Yeah. And I think psychologically speaking, the reason people are getting on social media or any of these things is because they're maybe bored and alone at home. Yeah. And they want to connect. So like you were, you know, touching on earlier. I it's it's not a surprise really that they are getting into this stuff because they want that connection. They want to connect with somebody. Now maybe some of them should uh refrain from mentioning federal crimes that they've committed, but yeah, yeah, they they taught us how to fuck these two fucking criminals taught us how to like break into a safe and they told us about like breaking into this guy's house. They broke into the safe. He comes in with a shotgun. The guy like dives out the window. I think it talks about fucking stealing cocaine. He punched this fucking, he took the brick of cocaine. He's in the car with the guy and he just punches him in the face and sprints. I mean, yeah, I've heard some crazy stories on here. Um, And, uh, you know, it's just fun. You never know what happens. And I just kind of lean into whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've done over 100 of them. And yeah, YouTube.com slash Idiot Presents is where I put up all my content, sketches, comedy songs. And a w- weekly, I do at least one video a week, at least a Thursday video. Yeah. 
Yeah. I wish I could do it, but you know, I don't want to rip you off. But I, I <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, do you ever do bits that kind of go away from the point of the show, but just sort of have fun with the medium, like you? find some random person and you act like you're Mari Povich and say you're going to read the results of some Oh, you know, in the beginning, <laughs> I didn't that because in the beginning, I didn't know how rich the interviews would be. But now the interviews are so rich mm-hmm. that like other than like if some guy's like doing a Ouija board or doing some weird thing, like then I'll just go with that. But I find the interviews are uh, are really the bread and butter there. Like I used to do like I'd have a little bowl of glitter, and when someone was jerking off, I'd throw it. I'd be like, "You're the one thousandth person jerking off on uh, Omega," you know. I'd do games like that, and I'd do like, <laughs> which rather's and different games. But I find, you know, the formula of just like just talking to the person, locking in, and just like finding out who they are is just the highest octane. Like it's interesting, it's funny, because um, you know, I mean, it's great for a comedian, right? I don't have time to like rewrite a joke or any of that stuff. Like <laughs> it's so immediate mm-hmm. and working with the live audience. It's like the pressure of that makes you funny. And I just get such a high yield out of the shoots. Oh, that, that's great. You know, for the most part. And then like, there are always like times where I like call an audible. Like there was <laughs> this uh, chick was from Mexico. I think she didn't speak any English mm-hmm. and I'm trying to talk to her and there's just no way to communicate. And I just go to the audience, I go, does anybody speak Spanish? And somebody had brought his girlfriend, spoke Spanish. So I had her sit down, I crouched next, and she became the interpreter. (laughs) Um, So it's like, you know, in that way, like if there needs to be some sort of audible, like we we did this one with these uh, high school chicks recently where they talked about how they hated their friend ditched them for Mm -hmm. another friend. And uh, uh, so we called her. And we confronted her on the air. We confronted their friend on oh, the air. Oh, wow. And so, like, you know, in that case, it's like the childishness becomes the game. It's like, I'm an adult <laughs> and I should know better. And we're calling this high school and I'm like, what in the hell? You know, what does she have that we don't have? And she's like, what? <laughs> That's hysterical. I mean, it, it. there are a lot of things that kind of jump out at me that I watch that, that this touched on. Like whether it was uh, like Stern. Or oh, yes. Taxi Cab <laughs> Confession and uh, like all of these shows where people are kind of like uh, unsuspectingly getting into stuff or they're talking oh. about things that they don't normally talk about. Right. Um, you learn a lot of things. Like it's it's really all these different things wrapped up in this one new sort of thing because it's, it you, involves man. the Internet. Yeah, Stern. And it's funny, like. I always want to use Stern as a reference, mm-hmm. like to let people know what I'm talking about. But the thing is, if you don't listen to Stern, you have a very specific idea of who he is. Right. And if so, it's like, it's like using the term feminist, right? If I say I'm a feminist, eight different people have eight different ideas, yeah. whether it's positive or negative. Right. So I don't really use that term, even though like dictionary definition, I'm a feminist. <laughs> I think men and women should be treated as equals. Like I think right. that's pretty no brainer. But like if you say it's Stern, people go, Oh, so you just fucking shit on a uh, uh, porn star's chests? Is that what you do? <laughs> like, no, 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 that's not what Stern was about. Especially, he used to have this thing where he didn't have call screeners. And oh, how right. is it? So, like, whoever it is, Tom Hanks is just sitting there, and some guy's just like, "Hey, Tom Hanks, fuck you, man!" I, you know, like, and Tom Hanks just has to deal with it. So, there's an element of that, like, uh-huh. out of my control, mm-hmm. which is such a benefit to creating a piece of content. Because once it's out of your control, if something gets fucked up, 
and you've got the live audience, if something goes wrong and you've got the live audience, all of a sudden that's funny. Anything that goes yeah. wrong is a piece of content all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Conan O'Brien's podcast, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah, last it. week's episode with Ben Schwartz and, and Thomas Middleditch, and he was saying it was the mistakes that were so memorable on his show and on Carson or whatever, like whenever right. something unexpected happened, mm -hmm. that was always where the special moments came from. Yeah. And that's basically what the show, your show is. It's just like, oh, let's see what random thing is going to happen now. I have no idea what's coming next. And yeah. then just because it is a presentation, something can also just go wrong. Right. Right, absolutely. And the live audience, it creates stakes. Mm -hmm. It creates stakes for the guest. Because I'm not just some guy making a YouTube video. Like, there's people watching, so they want to impress them. Mm -hmm. Or they want to whatever. You know, if they fuck up and you hear the audience laughing, and then you see the guy hear the audience laughing, it's all these live moments. And if I fuck up, it's like, I'm a comedian. Like, I just said something that's unfunny. It's like, literally, my reputation is at stake. Yeah. So then can make fun of how bad the joke I told was. And Conan O'Brien's a huge influence on like how I oh, me too. do my show, his self-deprecation. I always loved how he played with real people when yeah. he did on location things. And that was a big thing. The initial idea was the non-celebrity interview show. Uh -huh. It was the same basic premise of I'm not that interested in, you know, not to pick on Bradley Cooper, but like, his life has been pretty charmed. He doesn't mm -hmm. have any stories. Everything was in, then I got laid, and then I would, became the biggest movie star in the world. <laughs> That's interesting to me. I want to hear, I, I wanted to do like cleaning ladies, and like, you know, because I used to work in kitchens and stuff, mm -hmm. and you see a guy, you'd be like, what's that scar on your arm? And he'd be like, oh yeah, I was crossing the fucking desert to get here, and a fucking coyote bit me. That's a guy, oh, this guy Hiro told me the story. And I remember thinking, like, this was like, fucking 10 years ago i remember thinking like that's a story that's worth telling like i, hear that. I don't want to hear about you know um you know a triumphant story is nothing it's yeah cool. a person talking about how they fucking struggled and like made just made it out they almost died because it was like fucking so cold at night <laughs> laying on the ground in the desert Oof. that's a story right that is a story so the initial idea was like it was I, I was really focused. I wanted to do immigrants. Mm -hmm. My thing is like fucking. They have some stories. Fucking stories, right? Mm -hmm. It's like like you know you talk to like a fucking gay dude from Guam. It's like his dad told him he didn't love him, and so he had to come to the United States to like be himself. Mm -hmm. That's a fucking story. That's a story of triumph, you know? Like a, you know like that guy Hiro with that shit. Right. But it just didn't have the same hook, and then eventually. I was biking out to Coney Island, I remember, and I just had that idea of taking – I always loved chat roulette and those type of services. And I just had the idea of putting them together. And I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of good. And I remember I got to the beach and I texted my buddy. It's 20 miles out to the beach. And uh, uh, I texted my buddy and I was like, hey, what do you think of this idea? And he was like, you should be doing that now. And so I was like – Fuck, all right. So I started going home. I just started biking 20 miles back home. And by the time I got home, I'd figured everything out. I knew I wouldn't be wearing pants. So like the, you know, which is part of the show is like, you know, the guest sees me in a suit, but I'm not wearing pants. So when we go to the side camera, you see I'm not wearing pants. And so it's kind of the, it adds that kind of parody layer to it. It's everything is kind of thumbing its nose. It shows this in a way. 
I don't need, I don't interview celebrities. You know, I'm not wearing pants. I'm like kind of getting drunk. It's in my fucking living room. You know, so uh, <laughs> that's how the show came to be. That's awesome. I'm curious about the crew or the production side of what you're doing. I mean, obviously, you have a program that can record uh, what you're seeing uh, on the on your screen. But yeah. as far as putting a show together, how much of a crew do you have? What all goes into it? Well, so the whole thing is, and it's been through like a bunch of iterations, like the like the the production setup. Um, now it's the most streamlined it's ever been since I got the investment and we kind of changed, you know, upgraded our production and everything. Um, but initially it was just, uh, I would just use QuickTime screen record and mm -hmm. that was it. And then I would crop out, I would do, I would double up the video and I would crop out my window and the guest's window and I would just put them next to each other on a black screen. Mm -hmm. And it was very bare bones. Uh, and it sounded like shit. Mm. And um, <laughs> you, know, you could barely hear the guest and all this stuff. And then slowly, like I started using ScreenFlow where I could record the internal mm -hmm. and then I would record uh, the audience with a little mic. And I just have somebody over there. I, I use a DSLR cam for the mm -hmm. side cam and I would just have, you just usually be a friend of mine, mm -hmm. would just sit there and because it's a DSLR, it shuts off every 10 minutes. So pretty mm -hmm. much their whole thing is just press record every 10 minutes and uh, you know, you get as drunk as you want and uh, that's your only job, right? <laughs> and then I would do everything myself. I had a friend of mine kind of help me like figure out how to set up the lights like the first couple of times and mm -hmm. then after that, like I kind of knew how to do that more or less. And so pretty much I do everything myself. Um, okay. You know, the investors kind of like paid to have people come in mm -hmm. and like me out. But, uh, you know, we keep everything a small scale. The whole idea is that everything is doable so I can accomplish it. Right. And now we're using, so we did ScreenFlow for a while and that was so fucking hard. It took so much time. It was ducking three tracks of audio around each other. Mm -hmm. Audio, the guest's audio and then the audience, and all of which are picking each other up. Mm -hmm. Fucking forever. Mm. And uh, so now we use uh, what, I, I essentially came up with the idea of like, we're most similar in production to those video game streamers. Okay, yeah. So we're essentially, we're using a system that kind of mirrors their um, setup. So we use a, a program called OBS, Open Broadcast uh, System. I think <laughs> it's a free open source uh, thing where you can draw from different sources. So mm -hmm. we'll actually draw from a webcam on me uh, and then that captures me in the set. And then we'll uh, do a window capture that we bring into the program. And that captures the Omegle, the chat roulette window. Mm -hmm. I use Omegle though, but the, you know, the, the guest's window. And then we record... Uh, the audio, we, and then we have an audio mixer that plugs in, and now we actually have a tower computer that mm -hmm. we use, and everything plugs into that. And uh, our mixer plugs into that, and the mixer uh, has a channel of audio for me with a little lapel mic, mm -hmm. and then that also shoots across the room to uh, uh, the audience mic, which hangs over the audience, and that will uh, create two separate tracks. And then we also create a track for the internal uh 
uh, uh, computer's audio, and that's how we isolate the guest. Um, and then in editing, I pull all those apart, and um, and then I just put in the side cam. I put that in in post, and uh, yeah, and then I just got a light setup. It's nice because we have the light setups on a switch now. Mm-hmm. I'll actually do a thing where I'll just like turn out all the lights and then like turn them on suddenly. So it's like this extra little layer of surprise um, that I play with. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we just troll through and I keep it really loose, you know, and like I've had people, you know, people involved in like production stuff are always like surprised when they come to the shoot. They're like, oh my God, like I'm surprised it's so laid back. <laughs> you know, they're like expecting there to be an AD running around. It's like, nah, it's just fucking me. It's That's just good. an asshole who's not wearing pants. And that I think part of the key to how I get so much content and how it's so fun. Right. Laid back and, you know, Jerry Seinfeld has that theory of TV that he talks about where he says, if you like the place, you'll like the show. And so mm-hmm. that's my thinking is like, in addition to the parody layer, like it's a parody of a talk show, it's its own interview show, but it's also, theoretically, it's a place you'd want to hang out, right? Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing you might do like in a, not with all the production or everything, but people kind of hang out on Omegle and see what's going on and talk to people. It's kind of has that feel to it. Right. And people are laughing. And then at the end of the interview, you know, you'll hear somebody be like, wow, I really liked her. And I like ending on something like that. You just hear someone <laughs> in the audience be like, what a sweet, you know, and like, it's like some guy talking about going to prison. And you're like, yeah, I kind of liked him, you know, or like, <laughs> what? douchebag you know <laughs> it's kind of what you were thinking the whole time the audience was thinking right and i think it kind of creates that fun live energy you know um so it's you know the the thing is like i try and create my channels all dedicated to uh high quality low budget entertainment and i think the way <laughs> i achieve that is i keep it i keep everything as streamlined as possible right you know, keep everything as simple. We shoot the show once every three months, and then I cut them together and slowly tease them out, you know? Um, and out of a shoot, we get a high yield, so obviously this is mm-hmm. a project that we we focus on. This is like the mm-hmm. Thursday show is, uh, you know, we always do, uh, I always put out a pop-up interviews. But, That's uh, cool. I like um, <laughs> I, I like that approach of, of high-quality low budget that's essentially what i'm doing here at this podcast where i'm trying to mimic the quality that you see in professional audio projects um Mm -hmm. and you know it's just me so it can't be it can't be very uh high like a high budget system because it's just me i'm the one doing everything i don't have someone else editing it either you know like i'm the one doing everything so um i am I was curious about how you are shooting it. And I, so I'm glad that you went. Uh, thank you for going through all of that. Sure. Because I've always wondered, like, is there a way to essentially, and I don't know if this is out there yet, but there has to be some kind of way for someone to use what networks are using to make their shows where they, they have uh, like a control room where they can switch to different shots and then it's all just going to the tape. OBS, the the, the, uh, the system that we use, oh. it has that and they're called different scenes. So you set up different video configurations mm-hmm. uh, drawn from any 
uh, number of sources that you determine, mm -hmm. and then you click from scene to scene, and it'll automatically, it's like having a control room right there. That's perfect, because it would make it so much shorter, the time frame of editing. It would make it so oh. much easier, because you're essentially editing as you do it, right. you know? Yeah. Yes, um, yes. I would love that, because there's certain things that I want to do, but it's like, ah, that would take so much time, I don't have a team with me. And I would still need some help to do right. that, but not as much if I was yeah. doing three different cameras or even two different cameras mm -hmm. and having to edit all these things together. Oh, gosh, I'd be, I don't want to mess with it. Use OBS. OBS is amazing, and it's totally free, and there's tutorials online that kind of guide you. Mm -hmm. At first, it's a little... Um, like daunting, but mm -hmm. after you're playing with it for a little while, it's very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And anything you need, YouTube, YouTube will tell you. Just right. type how do I blah 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 blah, and right. it'll how to do it. And yeah, OBS is amazing. And if you create a show engine that allows for you, you know, if you build into the concept of the show that you're just a guy putting this together, <laughs> you know, like, like that was the great thing about uh, again Stern. Mm -hmm. Like Stern would be like, there's something wrong with the audio. He'd be like, get the engineer in here. What the fuck's your problem? And all the content, you know? Right. Uh, which, like, I don't, like, yell at anybody. But, like, you know, my whole thing is, like, you know, if I fuck up, if I'm having a technical issue, I just start to – I make that part of the content, you know? Mm -hmm. It's fun to watch somebody fail. Yeah. Louis C.K. did a show um, on XM. He only did, like, one episode. And – um he did this thing where it's just him instead of like, you know, like Open Anthony or uh, uh, right. one of these shows that has like a group of people. It would just be him taking calls. And it was you. Would, it was fun to watch him struggle. He was barely <laughs> pulling it off because it's like you got to keep. I mean, just he's filling dead air. And so it was like watching this guy spin plates. Oh, so yeah. That, that was another one of those things. Especially that was someone like, who's not in radio. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's never done a radio show before. Right. All of a sudden he's got to host it by himself and he didn't have call screeners again no i love stuff like that so i really uh, appreciate that you're doing that with the show like it's it's like you know um all that stuff is it's kind of what makes it fun like if you weren't yeah. if it wasn't as hard it kind of wouldn't be i don't know it'd be a lot more boring right <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely and that's the fun thing, you know, and then like the fact that I don't know who's going to come up next. Yeah. It's like, you know, comedy's a reaction mm -hmm. at its best when it's reaction. I think, yeah. You know? And so the fact that I don't know who's there, someone insults me. It's like fun to watch someone insult me and watch my face as I get insulted. And then it's like, oh, well, what's he going to do now? You know, and it just <laughs> makes it engaging. or, you know, if someone flirts with you, it's like. Oh, school, you know, like all of a sudden you like watch me get complimented or something, you know, like and it's just the fact that it's uh, just this random mashing of my perspective that you're kind of coming to know as the constant with whatever this thing is. Yeah. This guy's a conspiracy nut. This guy's a guy who's just been out of prison. This is a couple who's having sex right now, mm. <laughs> you know. We've got a couple of those like having sex. That's wild. Um, but it's fun. Have you had any repeat guests? I had one guy who I saw him again. One dude. But I don't think he made it in the episode. I think I was just like, oh, hey, man. Like, 
You know, like we already talked to him because he, he had a he had been like a three part episode actually. Oh, which wow. usually the longest we do is two parts. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, we'll do like a three. Actually, no, I do think he was a two part. But uh, yeah, we'd already done two episodes with him, so it's like. <laughs> um, so you came up a third time with him, essentially. Well, no, I was or the actually, one was. Sometimes we'll do such a long interview oh, that okay. I chop him up to be about seven to you know fifteen minutes. Fifteen mm-hmm. minutes is probably about the longest. That would be a really long episode. It's usually 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of keep them kind of short and contains, you know, these quick videos. We try and get to the heart of the person, uh, you know, find out what makes them interesting, find out their stories. And then usually the ending question is, what's the most embarrassing moment of your life? Because we usually start with, have you ever had your heart broken? Because uh-huh. essentially the theory there is like, we're very personal, but it's not over the line. Mm-hmm. Then as we move in, <laughs> and then usually people feel pretty comfortable by the end. And people have told me about being like tied up for some sort of sexual thing, oh. and their buddies all show up. You know, um, that was a really fun one. <laughs> uh, you know, and just people will tell me, you know, this kid, you know, somebody told me about you know having to take a shit, and they're locked out of their house, and they shit in the yard. You know, like. <laughs> People just tell the craziest little, uh, uh, and they're just these real stories, you know? Like, there's something about that that's so real. And then I also admit all the things about myself, too. Like, I've told about, you know, when I shit my pants or, Mm -hmm. you know, anything like that, which I think, you know, my heart breaks and things like that. And I think that usually makes people feel comfortable enough to, uh, you know, that this is like a safer place. It's not a place. We're like, we're not pretending we're all cool, you know, um, we're not pretending, you know, this isn't Instagram, you know, we're not <laughs> pretending that our life is amazing, like life is shit and, you know, we're having a laugh about it and that's the environment that we're creating. <laughs> well, we've reached the end of this episode. Uh, it's time to create something together. Yeah. I'm not positive of where we can go with that. Maybe it's... um. Hmm. You know, like thinking of a, a something else in the medium that could be used in the way you're using it, or or, or to create something to create comedy. Yeah, let's. Um, see. Or um, maybe yeah. it's like a path to creating your own uh, platform because, like, you know, you created you're creating a platform and you got an investor. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, great advice could be given on on that subject. Uh, well, for me, uh, my, I've always operated with the idea that like I'm trying to create the exact show I would want to see, right? Okay. A show where if I found that, I would be like, "Holy shit, that's exactly what I want!" Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It it rejects all the things I don't care about or I'm annoyed about about show business, mm-hmm. and it brings in all the things that I love: authenticity. Um, you know, uh, 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 it's not malicious. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would try and do a show like this and they would try and create these gotcha things sometimes, but that's not the point of the show. Mm-hmm. Ideally with the show, me and the person are getting along and we're actually creating a thing together, even though they're theoretically unimportant because they're not famous. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, my investor is a guy who just, he loved the content, you know, and that's the thing. It's anything that's good that's happened for this. Anybody who's been sent this, who is of any note or any power or has, you know, tried to help me out along the way, reacted to it because, uh, you know, they have a similar value set that I do, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
for me was the key to making this content and also like creating so much. I love the content I'm making, so I'm happy to keep making it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think create the thing that you would want to see that if I was to give anybody any advice, it would be that. Create the thing you want to see. Kind of think about what you want. Let's see. I, feel, I mean, I feel like you have this tapestry of like creating a thing and I feel like that's such a great tapestry. I'd hate to break that. Um, uh -huh. I had this idea for a show that's kind of similar to my show. We could try this. Okay. It's called the Reverse Call-In Show. Okay. How does this work? I've never done this before, but I had this idea for it. So we just call a random number and then what's in the news? Bolsonaro talking with Trump. Uh, it's like we just call a random number and we go, hey, uh, you're on the reverse, like we're Larry King or something. Hey. Really? You're on the reverse call and show. You know, what do you think about uh, the wall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. The reverse. So you want a topic? Yeah, what's a topical topic? Uh, let's see. What's something going on? Uh, you got the NCAA tournament starting this week. Um, it's good, yeah, because I don't know anything about that, so that'll be great. Who's who's playing? Who's a who's a uh... Duke is a heavy favorite. All right, so I'm calling somebody in San Francisco. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Hopefully they pick up. I just know four one five. They used to live in San Francisco. Hi, oh, the Court of Appeals Library. Oh, that could have been interesting. <laughs> Hi, Court of Appeals Library. You are live on um, the reverse call-in show. We were uh, curious as to what you think about the uh, NBA. NCAA tournament. NCAA uh, tournament. We, were cons we wanted to know what you thought about that. Anyway, bye. I love you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> do you have time to do another one of these? I want to see. I do. I do have time. Okay. Because I just feel bad not to – I love your no. form. Oh, I got a um, scam call earlier. Oh, I want to do one of those. Okay. I have the whole thing planned out. They're trying to scare me into thinking I'm going to get arrested. Fuck, I keep getting fucking – oh, because nobody picks up if they don't know your number anymore. I guess that's the flaw with my show. That's... All right. <laughs> uh, so that's like if you want to create a thing that doesn't work, that's how you do it. You <laughs> do it like... live on the air. You don't test it. <laughs> Maybe um, we should call this. I, I think it'll probably just uh, ring busy. But what if we called this uh, scam number that I got? Let's do it. Yeah, that's the thing. I wanted to do videos with that. I have this whole thing planned out. Yeah. Uh, so what happened earlier and it was a robocall, mm -hmm. but they claimed that um, the uh, Department of Treasury is after me. The U.S. Treasury is after me, and that if I don't respond then um, I could uh, go to jail or something. I could be arrested or, or like I need to deal with this before I get arrested. That's what they okay. said, which is like so heavily illegal. Like you can't you can't claim that you're that the person's going to get arrested. So let's right. see. Let's see what happens when I call. Are we back. playing different character? Am I your uh, husband or something? Through the Social Security Administration team, how can I help? Hi, yes. Um... I had a call from this number, um, and my parole officer is here, um, but I had a call uh, saying that something about the U.S. Treasury is after me. Okay, I'll check into that. Uh, could you please confirm your full name? Uh, yes, my name is Clay McNabb.
Thank you. Could you please confirm the last four digits of your social security number so that I can pull up your details? Yeah, it's one, two, three, four. And I know that's strange, but it's just what happened. Like what happened? That it's one, two, three, four. Nobody ever believes me that my last four digits of my social are one, two, three, four, but that's totally what it is. Okay. And could you please confirm your full name once again? Can you just spell it for me so that I can find the correct information? Yes. Clay, C-L-A-Y, McNabb. McNabb, are you done pissing in that cup? Oh, that's my uh, parole officer. Listen, um... Piss in that cup. I'm thirsty. Yeah, my parole officer is yelling uh, for me to uh, piss in a cup um, because he's thirsty. So I just want, like, he's my parole officer, and you guys called earlier, and you said that I could go to jail if I don't uh, call you back, and I cannot do time again. Well, I've not checked your case files. Uh, what? Well, there might be an arrest warrant against you, because, but I'll have to check the case files. Oh, boy. Why did you all call me if you didn't know? Hello? Yeah. Why did you all call me if you didn't know that there is a if there is a warrant out? Are you just breathing into the phone? Oh, he is hung up. Not in the script. Oh, <laughs> it's such funny. It's not, it's not in the script. Yeah, I think that guy may have been struggling with the English there. I think like he needs like certain things, and then they like you know. Like, they need to hear key things, and it's like the checklist, you right. know, um, of, like, then they say this. Because then I think they send you to, like, the next guy who sounds more official. Uh. Um, my whole thing that I wanted to do with these fuckers is I wanted to call them up and tell them, hey, my friend got a call from you guys saying that he was, uh, uh, you know, in some IRS trouble. <laughs> I was wondering if I gave you my social security number. Could you look me up and find out if I had trouble and just essentially just fall for their trap, you know? Uh-huh. Just keep getting the numbers wrong, keep like trying to and while I'm doing that, I wanted to like keep um creating like layers on this backstory, like uh-huh. be like this is a scam, right? Cuz I I am actually a bit, I've been duped before. <laughs> um, you know, I was hit by a car and they were going to take me uh to the emergency room and I woke up and I was in a bathtub full of ice. Uh, you know, like, you know <laughs> they, uh, they they took my kidney. You know, <laughs> my wife was uh, my wife was sleeping with my divorce attorney. They got everything. Like I fall for a lot of scams. I raised a, a child that wasn't mine for fourteen years. <laughs> the same race as me. Like, and just yeah. like I just wanted to just keep like laying it on thicker and thicker, and then like keep trying to keep them on, mm-hmm. and then ultimately just be like, hey, uh, uh, well, how about if I give you my credit card? number would that help <laughs> just keep falling for it but then just keep being one number short mm-hmm. or long, and then keep reading and just essentially waste their time but yeah uh, i i think i wondered what would have happened if i had given him my real social security number or like I've, yeah i've looked into it a little and so like they actually will be at these call centers and they actually have some fairly uh good um, like they can look you up based on your number. So like mm-hmm. when you say McNab, like 
a lot of times like they'll know that that's not the name associated with this number. Right. And then the the social security number, essentially they'll use that for like identity theft. That's how they'll like kind of like steal your credit card or whatever. Uh. Then through that, they can then, you know, uh, get on the phone somewhere and give your social and then they have access to your credit card for a period of time. Uh. So like the big scam there. And then some of them apparently will have you like wire the money. Yeah. What I would love to do is I'd love to get a guy to like find have a meeting point to mm-hmm. like meet me and then just like call him like when you're supposed to meet, be like, hey, where the fuck are you? And then like, oh, I'm at this place. Come meet me here and just see how many places I can get them to go. <laughs> that would be a fun one. Yeah, because there are websites where they actually show you the number, the, the, the numbers of these scam companies mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. stay active for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But I just wanted to like, yeah, but that's at some point when I have a little free time. That's a project <laughs> I want to work on is, is that. <laughs> well, we're both in New York. I'd be uh, glad to help out with that project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be scammers. Fun, and yeah, if you ever want to come to a shooting, I shoot once every like three months. If you want to come hang out and have some drinks. That'd be awesome. Awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, hit me up. Awesome. Um, well, there it is. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. This was great. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat and that silliness at the end with the phone call. And, uh, you know, I got a call from that scam number later that day. I was walking down the sidewalk and I got the call. And so I just answered it and said, well, you know, guys, what do I got to do to get taken off of this list? Because I know this is a fucking scam. And uh, the guy's response was, do you talk to your father that way? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, you got the phrase wrong. The phrase, uh, you know, as we all know, the phrase is supposed to be, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? And this guy's like, do you talk to your father that way? It's like, why would I talk to my dad that way? I don't, I'm not going to be like, dad, what's this effing scam, dad? <laughs> like, this just doesn't make sense. And so I roasted the guy for, for that and then uh, hung up. Um, and I haven't gotten a call since, so that's good. Oh, gosh. Scams. Well, you know, these, I actually went on Omegle and Chat Roulette as well, and it's just dudes jerking it. Like, any time of the day. That's all it is, is guys... It's gross. And the thing it, it came to mind was like, oh, gosh, when the, the Louis C.K. stuff came out, I thought... I was kind of shocked. I wasn't shocked that a guy would do that because I had heard of stories like that before. But it was the time that I had heard that story, it was like a homeless guy who was mentally ill in the library doing that to girls or somebody in prison doing that. So it's like, you know, my concept is like somebody who's not the average person is doing it. And Louis C.K. doing it was like, he's his whole thing is that he's like the average guy. And he really is because he did that, and I'm learning it from Chat Roulette. But it's just not—I thought it was just like people out of their mind, and and it partly is. But I just thought the people who were out of their mind enough to do that was a very very small number, and it's a much larger number than I thought. And I have no idea how we can better the world. <laughs> I don't—I don't mean to laugh. I just don't know. I met—I met my wit's end. Because you keep thinking like, oh, I'll speak uh, speak out about this stuff, like treat women better, treat people better. And then you get on chat roulette and it's like, oh, are they 
hearing any of that? Do they know they shouldn't do this? Like Louis C.K., everything we think about is that it was terrible what he did. And he asked for permission first. But these guys on Chat Roulette, they're not asking for permission. So it was like, are they worse? Ugh, I just don't know. I, I try to believe in humanity, but the man in humanity just makes me nut. <laughs> Let me tell you. All right, enough about that. Uh, David Wiswell can be found online. He's a good guy. He's not jerking it on Chat Roulette. He's just doing pop-up interviews. And they're hilarious. And you can find them on YouTube.com slash Idiot Presents. He has his other sketches and things that he's done on there as well. He's got lots of bits. I think I think he's got a bright future. So let's let's follow him, shall we? We also have links in bio to social media for him, but he's just at David Wiswell on Instagram and Twitter, so check him out. Well, folks, that's it for us for now, but we have more fun things coming up in the future, and uh, I, I have an idea for next week's episode that I hope you enjoy. So until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 